a farmer's field, in which the seed of the gospel has been sown through much hard work. We saw that in Acts, and we saw that in 1 Thessalonians. But now, as he hears reports of them, he's seeing that the seed is growing up, it's sprouting, and it's bearing the fruit of love and endurance. And he recognizes that though he may have worked really hard, and he did, he may have worked really hard in planting that seed, the growth is coming from God. And so he gives thanks to God. That's the right thing to do. Give thanks to God, knowing that God is the author of this fruit, and that he has a glorious purpose for their lives. I want you to look down the page, down in verse 10. Skip down to verse 10. I want you to see that glorious purpose for their lives and for our own, where he says, when he comes, when Jesus comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who haven't believed, because our testimony to you was believed. You guys remember the story of Job? Remember the story of the Old Testament by a man named Job? Do you remember that? Do you remember God boasting of his servant Job? Do you remember that? There's a day when, when the sons of God came and they were around the throne and, and Satan was in the midst. And God says, Where have you been? And he says, I've been running through the earth. Up and down. And God asks him this question. He says, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Well, in that passage, God is glorified, he's being with delight due to the faithfulness of Job. And what is interesting is that Satan responds out of his belief. He'll sow this seed into your hearts, into our hearts. Satan responds out of his own belief and understanding that Job's heart is all bound up in the blessings, the benefits, materially, that God has bestowed upon Job. And what Satan does not understand is that God's word of blessing Job goes much deeper than material blessings. God is at work in Job's life, causing his heart to treasure God above all other blessings. And so Job can respond in Job 13 verse 15. He says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Look at verse 4 here in our text. Now I want you to understand that the deep suffering that this church is walking through. Just think about the suffering that they're walking through, the tribulation they're walking through. When he says, therefore, Paul says, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. For your steadfastness, your faith, 
in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are endured. They're enduring persecutions, afflictions, because of their obedience to the gospel, to the truth. And they're trusting that God is at work even in the midst of the hard things. Our faith put out here in Minnesota may not stir up the same kind of afflictions, might, but it may not stir up the same kind of suffering or persecutions that the Thessalonians experience. But we do know the brokenness, don't we? We do know the brokenness that we talked about earlier when we confess our sins. We know the brokenness that we experience as we daily seek to take up our cross and die to self-centeredness so that we might walk with Jesus in loving those around us. We know that brokenness. We know that affliction, don't we? There may come a day when we'll know the same affliction, the same kind of persecution that the Thessalonians understood. But for now, our question is, as we walk, as we do experience the brokenness of our own lives, as we respond out of hearts that are learning to trust Christ, what testimony what testimony is going forth from our lives as a church? What are people saying around about this church called Jubilee? What are people saying? What's the testimony of your life as a family? What's the testimony that's going forth from your life as an individual, as a single, in your workplace? What is the testimony that's going forth from our lives. Well, just this week I heard someone saying that they have experienced so much love among the members of Jubilee. Praise God! I mean, that's exciting! That's a testimony! It's not a testimony of how great we are. It's a testimony of God's work in our midst. They've never experienced a church like this. Yes, they have not. But they haven't experienced it. But they're experiencing it here. It's a testimony of grace. It's a testimony of God at work in our lives. Well, when we see these kinds of evidences of God at work in our lives, what should we do? What should we do? Should we, should we boast? Should we boast? Should we go, yes, we've arrived. I want you to look down at verses 11 and 12 in your text. And I want you to see what Paul a church that he could boast about. The testimony that was going out to all the other churches. And what does he do? Listen to Paul's response. To the good fruit in their lives. To this end, we always pray for you. That our God may make you worthy of his calling. And may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power, so that in the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's Paul doing? He's praying for them. He's praying for these people whose lives are bearing witness to the grace of God. He's asking for more. God, do more. 
He knows that Satan is the father of lies, and he knows that the weeds of lies are being sown in the fabric of our culture. And he's working overtime. He's working overtime to get us to fully sin. And to learn and to draw what we believe to be true from our culture. So when he said he works, he's a great deceiver, and our hearts are easily, easily deceived. We show up in advertisements, they show up in our school books, our kids read. They show up in influential speeches of political leaders, they show up in the wealth of another person. We look at the wealth and we go, These lies, they show up even in our own thoughts. They show up in our own dreams. Satan is crafty, and our hearts are easily deceived. We need an ongoing supply of truth to our lives. And praise God, we have been given the Spirit of Christ and the Word of God to continually enable us to walk in a manner worthy of In 1 Thessalonians, we heard Paul said, We said Timothy, we said Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be about the work in our homes, in our church, in our apartments with others. We've got to be about the work of Counseling one another biblically. We've got to be speaking truth in one another's lives because your friend, your wife, your child hears lies all the time and has an enemy who's seeking to destroy any faith that's been planted in that heart. And so we need to speak into one another's lives continually. Truth. Truth that will fortify, that will encourage, that will build up, that will strengthen. The life of one seeking to follow Jesus is going to know trouble and afflictions in this broken world. But if you look at your text, verse 11, it reminds us that God is very active in our life as a church, as a family, as singles. God is at work. He's the one working to make us worthy of our of his calling on our lives. Do you God is the one who is working to make us worthy of his calling on our lives. So talk to him. Spend time with him. Ask him, Lord, be my salvation at work so I don't enter into any temptation. And he says, I will be your salvation. You will glorify me. God is the one who enables us to carry out by faith the good works that He has intention through our lives. What did Paul say to the, to the Ephesians? We just studied Ephesians. So what did he say to the Ephesians in chapter 2, um, there in, in uh, verse 10? Remember? He said, For we are His workmanship. Right? I see some, I see some, some mouths going. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you believe 
He wants so much for us to grab hold of him. Hang on to him as the tribulation comes, as the virus comes through the air into Minneapolis. He wants us to hang on to him, not fear the darkness of the, the, the what do you call it? So that, here's the 
so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, this should give us so much hope and so much determination to storm the gates of heaven on behalf of our church, on behalf of one another, on behalf of our spouses, on behalf of our children. The name of Jesus is at stake in your sanctification and God's not going to let the name of Jesus be anything but But 
payment with affliction on those who are ready to pay And there's a relief given to the Thessalonians and to all believers, Paul says, as well as to us, from that affliction. So as we continue in this text, we're going to know that, that we're going to know the timing of that day, we're going to know some detail that's, that's given uh, to that moment of repayment, so more the timing of repayment, the timing of the relief that's going to be given. So the, the timing is it will arrive when the Lord Jesus is revealed. So both the repayment and the relief are going to arrive on that day. So folks, we are called to endure until that day. I, I know we all want it. If, if, if the Lord said, well, I got a week of, a week of heart of struggling with, with your heart, with your sin, I've got a week of struggling for you, and then it's done. No. Until the day that Christ returns, we've got to seek truth in one another's lives. We've got to, to, to pray and seek the help of God for one another and for this church. But as we continue this text, we're going to note that it will come, that day it will come with mighty angels and fire. And this adds to what we were told first Thessalonians. It comes with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, sound of the trumpet of God. And two things will happen. A, first, Jesus is going to inflict vengeance. Verse 8 there. He's going to inflict vengeance, punishment, wrong. On those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The second thing that will take place is Jesus will be glorified in his saints and marveled at among all who have believed. So let's look at these two, these two happenings on that day. One, the vengeance will be punishment on those who do not know nor obey the gospel of Jesus. I want you to remember that Jesus said, many will come on that day and will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Those who do not know he also said to his disciples, he says, if you love me, have a loving relationship, it's a relationship point. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll obey. You'll walk after me. Will you do it perfectly? Not until today. But you will. You will pursue him. You will obey. You will seek him. And the punishment for those who do not know him and do not obey the gospel of Jesus will be eternal. Eternal destruction according to this text. And they will never know the presence of the Lord nor the glory of his might in salvation. Oh, Jesus, I hope that you created within us just a heart, the same as our words. When he, when he saw the crowd, he looked over the crowd for him too. He, he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They didn't know the shepherd. They didn't know the salvation of the shepherd. 
They were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. And you know what he said to his disciples when, when, when that was happening, when, when he looked over the crowd and saw that, and what he said to his disciples? He said, Pray. Pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to my Father to send out laborers into his.
Thank you. 